So this past Wednesday, I got to celebrate one of my favorite uh, Christmas traditions. Since uh, joining the staff at Preston Hollow, this time every year, a church member here at the church calls me the week before Christmas and asks me to join them on their annual tradition of taking uh, little white envelopes and traveling all over our city and uh, spreading just a little bit of Christmas cheer. This has been going on for this church member for over 10 years now. Every week, right before, every year, the week before Christmas, they take five little envelopes and find people in our city who they feel like need a little pick-me-up. Oftentimes, it's people that uh, the world overlooks or sort of doesn't even think about. I got in the car last Wednesday, and this church member said, can we go back down to City Square this year? I said, absolutely. I said, why do you want to go? She said, well, last year when we gave one of those envelopes to the CEO of City Square, Larry James, I was just so moved by what he did with that gift. I said, well, let's go back and we'll, we'll drop off an envelope for Larry. And she said, great. So we made our way to City Square. We found uh, Larry's uh, Jeep Wrangler in the parking lot, gray. We went over and we stuck the envelope right there on his windshield. Sure enough, several hours later, Larry called. He said, it seems the angel at Preston Hollow has been at work again this year because I received another gift. I said, they have. He said, I'm calling because I have the most incredible story to tell you. I said, really? I said, what's that? He said, well, I walked out to my car at lunchtime and I saw that envelope. It was right there on the windshield. I said, yeah, right where we left it. And he said, well, I took that envelope with me to lunch and I was just thinking the whole time, this envelope, who should it go to? And when I finished lunch, I pulled back into the parking lot at City Square, and I got out of my Jeep, and I hopped out, and there was a line all the way around the food pantry. But there, were, there was this guy sort of standing over to the side, separated from everybody. He looked like he had everything he owned in a backpack on his shoulders. And I don't know, Matthew, something just told me that maybe this is the person to receive the gift this year. And so I made my way over to this man, Larry said, and he said, what are you up to? How's the day going? And the guy said, uh, today's been great. And Larry said, have you had a good experience here? He said, oh, yeah, 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 I'm with City Square. And Larry said, oh, really? What do you mean you're with City Square? He said, well, I, I'm in City Square housing. I live out in Mesquite in one of the apartment complexes that they own, and I come in once a month, and I load up on groceries. That's what's in this big pack, and I have groceries for the entire month. I was just getting ready to wait for the bus. And Larry said, well, a friend of mine gave me a gift and wanted me to pay it forward this year. And I don't know, I've been thinking about who should get this gift and I just want you to have it. And so the guy took the envelope, he tore it open and there was a hundred dollar bill in there and the guy just buckled over. And he came up and he said, Larry, I, man, I'm so thankful. You have no idea how much this is going to mean to me. Thank you for your generosity. Merry Christmas. And Larry said, Merry Christmas. And just before Larry was to walk away, the guy said, Hey, uh, can I ask you a quick question? I never caught your name. <laughs> Larry said, Well, I'm Larry James. It's really good to meet you. Merry Christmas. And Larry said, Come to think of it, uh, I never caught your name either. And the man said, well, Larry, it's so good to meet you. My name is Jesus. 
Merry Christmas. I got to tell you, I couldn't wait to tell my wife that story. On Wednesday night, she had barely gotten in the door, and I said, you got to hear what happened to Larry today with this envelope. And so I got to the very end, and I said, Sarah, Larry gave the gift to Jesus. (laughs) And she said, yes, Matthew, I'm clear on the name Jesus. (laughs) And then she said it. One of the many reasons I love her. She said, of course his name was Jesus, Matthew. What did you think his name was going to be? Of course it was Jesus. What would you expect? That's why I love tonight. That is why I love this story that we're going to read from the Gospel of Luke. Because this story teaches us that God can take on the flesh in our lives at any moment of any day through any person. This story is a story that says that new life is possible even in the face of all the world. You know, uh, the people in the ancient Near East, they knew what to expect. They were looking for a Messiah that was going to come back in the form of King David. He was going to come in on a war horse, and he was going to restore the people of Israel back to their political might. He was going to restore them back uh, militarily. He was going to restore them back to their former glory economically. Everyone knew that the Messiah was going to come back as a king. They knew what to expect. And yet God took on the flesh because God couldn't not be separated from us, just like Sarah's dad said. And God took on the flesh through the form of a teenage woman, a high school girl, unwed. She didn't live right in, she didn't live inside the loop. She lived in one of those towns, you know, north, out of the way. What's it called? Christ took on flesh and a place into a people that the world could have never expected to show us, to show us all that new life is possible anywhere to anyone. That there is no corner of this globe where God is not. That there is no part of your life, no part of your heart where God is not. That's why I love this story. And that's why I can't wait to read it to you. But I want you to hear this story with those ears. Of a God who will take on flesh in the most unexpected ways. Listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us this night from the Gospel of Luke, the second chapter. I'll read the first 20 verses. Listen to this story, my friends, because I believe this story has the power to change our lives. has the power to change the world. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration. It was taken while Quinerius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. 
Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and the family of David, and he went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were, well, they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid for see. I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. And the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds. The shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. And when they saw this, they made known what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed. And what the shepherds told them. But Mary, Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and all they had seen as it had been told to them. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Did you hear it? God can show up at any moment, in any corner of the city, at any time, and show up in the flesh for a people so that they know that they are not alone. God will show up in the darkest hour of some folks' lives. God will show up to those who uh, don't count that the world overlooks. God will show up in the flesh, in the encounter with a stranger. A scholar that I really like, Alexander Shea, says about this story, we learn in the Christmas story that the deepest dark, the deepest dark, is not the place that grace goes to die. But we learn in the Christmas story that it is in the deepest darkness that grace goes to be reborn. I don't know what you've uh, brought with you into the sanctuary this night. Some of you may be in one of the dark times of your life. Maybe you've brought with you a relationship that is so fractured that you think it's beyond repair. Maybe it's with one of your children. Maybe it's with one of your parents. You haven't seen each other in a while, but you said, you know what, I'll agree to at least go to church. 
Maybe it's uh, in a marriage that uh, is hanging on by one thread. And you actually think there's no hope for it. Maybe it's uh, your business and you think that uh, the business is so far beyond repair that you don't know what you're going to do. But in the new year, you're going to have to circle the wagons. Worse yet, maybe uh, it's a job that you've been in your entire life and you've been in it so long that you actually don't think that there's a way out. But what you know is you've lost your passion, your energy, your soul for what you do. I don't know, maybe you're in the deep dark of uh, negative self-thoughts. They're there. They lie right below the surface of everything you do. It's the inner critic that won't cut you a break. Maybe it's the darkness of the thoughts of suicide. Maybe it's the darkness of an addiction. You've been going 47 rounds for as long as you can remember, and all you know is that there is a power greater than your own that has some sort of control over your life, and you think, I don't know. Maybe the darkness is where I'm supposed to be. Maybe the darkness is where I will settle. If you're in the dark tonight, if you're traveling one of those seasons of darkness, I want you to hear. And I want you to know that this story tonight is a story that says that the deepest darkness is not the place where grace or hope or love go to die. It's actually in the deepest dark where grace and hope and love go to be reborn. And here's the thing, if you're not in the darkness of your life tonight, you've been in the darkness before, and you know this to be true, because you've experienced new life breaking forth in your life in ways that you can't quite explain. You've seen God take on the flesh in corners of your life in ways that you just can't forget, because when you experience this, like tasting something. You can't not taste it. It's like seeing something. You can't unsee it. It's there. Christ in the flesh. It's why um, certain stories sort of uh, awaken us this time of year. There are hundreds of them this time of year. The feel-good stories that sort of go viral. I'm sure you've seen the the story of Michael Clark, the five-year-old who was just adopted several weeks ago in Grand Rapids, Michigan. If you haven't seen that video, you're going to want to see it after tonight. Michael Clark had been in and out of the foster system, and he finally got matched with a foster family. They got, they hit it off. And months later, they decided that they wanted to officially become a family. What made this adoption so special is, though, Michael invited his entire kindergarten class to his adoption at the courthouse. And what made this so special is all 18 of his classmates came to the courtroom that day. And when the judge stood in front of everyone in the courtroom and declared that this foster family was no longer a foster family, but they were actually a real family. All 18 of those kindergartners in the back of the courtroom pulled out hand-cut hearts that they had attached 
to paint sticks and wave them in the back of the courtroom that day. What you see, you can't not see. Once you've experienced the light and the love of God, you see it everywhere. I love that video, but I was interested in how all those kids got there that day. Did you know that 14 of the 18 kids, their parents took off of work? And those parents said, uh, we will drive all of the kids in the class to the courtroom. We don't want them to miss this. Do you know that uh, when they called the school district to rent a bus, a school bus to take them to the courthouse that day, the person who answered the phone said, you know, you missed the deadline. The form was supposed to be in two weeks ago. Sorry, we can't drive. And did you know that when the teacher said, yeah, but do you know it's for Michael Clark? He's a five-year-old. He's in my kindergarten class and his foster parents are going to adopt him. Did you know the person on the other end of the phone said, you know what? I'm going to drive the bus and I'm going to do it for free. Oh, my friends. This story is the story of a God who shows up in the flesh. A God who breaks it into our lives in ways that we could have never expected to bring light and love for all people. For tonight, this night, a child is born. Emmanuel, God with us. And this child is the light of the world. And all of the darkness that the world can muster cannot and will not overcome it. Thanks be to God. Amen.